What's good, everyone? Thank you for stepping into the coach's box. Another dope episode ahead. I'm your host, Coach JP3, joined by Coach J, Coach Pace, Coach Natty T, and Coach Murph. We got NFL, we got NBA, a lot going on out there. Big news this week. Leagues getting sued. Everything's happening, you know, everything's happening. And then we got a Super Bowl, too. So we have all that kind of stuff. We have All-Stars, NBA All-Stars. Coach Pace is ready to talk about <laughs> the Rams. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, but first, we're going to talk about the, the our reactions to the conference championship games. Another good weekend of football where we had two close games. And I tell you, it, it was great. You know, some of the best playoffs that I, I've ever seen. And so... Um, Coach Jay, if you want to talk, start us off here about what were your reactions to each of the conference championship games? Man, it was great. Great football. Um, I honestly thought the I didn't I wasn't on last uh, episode, but I did think that the Bengals were going to sneak this through. Um, I was definitely rooting for the, the Chiefs. But when the door is open and it's 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 open for a while. Uh, the Bengals might as well just walk through it. Sorry, my dog is in the background squeaking this toy. Um, but I thought it was amazing. I think for the Rams, they deserve to be there. They they fought off a very tough Niners team. Um, and I honestly, that could have gone another direction as well. But um, for the Rams to go all in, to buy in every single uh, transaction that they made and make first round picks turn into championship team uh, caliber team players. I think that they definitely deserve to make it in uh, the losers. I will say we're probably the toughest teams to lo- to call losers, really Niners. Nobody really wanted to play them. I mean, whether they was the seventh seed or the first seed, nobody wants to play the Niners. Um, so for them to get this far, I think they did a great job. You know, unfortunately they didn't make it, uh, to the Super Bowl. And then same with the Chiefs. Of course, you don't want to be facing Tyreek or Kelsey or Mahomes. Um, but for some reason, that's the kryptonite. The Bengals is their kryptonite. So it was, uh, I thought it was a great start to uh, what we're expecting to see in two weeks. I'm going to pass the ball to someone else. Yeah, it was a, it was a great set of games. I was just like this this streak of, you know, games has been crazy and I definitely don't expect the Super Bowl to be any different, but um, I was undefeated last week. I, I picked both the Bengals and the Rams to make it um, just in the fashion that the Bengals did it though. It was like, um, it just leaves me confused on where like Kansas city is at mentally like just when you think that they have like a stranglehold and they're like the new Patriots team, like the team to beat, they keep letting us down in some kind of way. Like they're supposed to be this powerhouse. Um, And then they just, whenever they look like they can be a dynasty, they always fall short in some fashion. So I'm kind of interested on how they're going to be moving forward, but um man the the Bengals are just resilient and I I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch and with them to have so many young players and also under contract it's like the 
could they be a dynasty? Like, I feel like Joe Burrow just brought this new type of swagger to this team. Uh, so I'm excited for them. I'm excited for the state of Ohio, you know, being born and raised there. Um, as for the, the 49ers game, that was a lot closer than I, I kind of expected. I didn't think it was going to be that way, but uh, with the Rams, they've, they've been Sean McVay and the, this play calling, like these games are continue to be nip and tuck. And I, I just don't understand why, like they are clearly the better teams in these last pass matchups, but they, I feel like they just played down, not even like to the level of the team they're playing, just like below that. And then they just kick it in high gear late. Um, so I'm curious if that's going to play a role because I've been talking to a lot of people. And one thing that I mentioned is that in playing the Bengals and late, I trust Burrow more so than Stafford. And they want to avoid having it be a close game in the fourth quarter. Hey, Coach Pace. Listen, I don't really care about the Bengals, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm be honest with you. All I care about is that my team is in the Super Bowl. You feel me? Um, honestly, what did I think about Kansas City? Honestly, with Kansas City, man, I'm not surprised because you know what happens. Patrick Mahomes is a turnover machine. We didn't establish that. Somehow, some way, he manages to give the ball away because you know he can't. He can't help himself. It's like he can't dink and dunk his way to a victory like Tom Brady can, you know, he has to gunsling here and there. And the one pass he threw, I don't, was it a cross body? When he threw the pick, was it a cross body? It was a cross body. You're not supposed to do that. Granted, it's Patrick Mahomes, but like, bro, it was two people on him. Like, so really he just gave the game away. And it doesn't surprise me at all because he seems to do that every so often. Um, in regards to my team, Listen, I only picked them because I knew we weren't going to lose three times in a row. And if we did, I want to show McVay going. Actually, I really wanted him going at halftime. But that's neither here nor there because he was out there blowing cones. He was really out there blowing cones. I'm going to leave him alone for right now because we're in the Super Bowl. But if he loses the Super Bowl, I'll call him for his head. You feel me? I'm tired of it at this point because the players played good. They did what they were supposed to do. But he seems to, like – I mean, I think we described it best. Like, he tries to camouflage and, like, do all this extra stuff, motion people in and out and then switch formations and do X, Y, and Z. When it's really like, nah, just run the football ball. Line up, run the football. And, you know, blowing the challenges unnecessarily. Don't even get me started on that. At the end of the day, all I care about is winning the Super Bowl. I'm buying the Joe Shiesty jersey after we beat his behind. But until then, go Rams. We win it by 10. Yeah, I feel like Sean McVay, he, like, tries to continuously remind us that he's a young coach and try to get too cute and be like, hey, look, I still got it. And then it just turns out to be some dumb stuff. It's fine. He's going to still be on the street, too, if he lose. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'll go. Yeah, I mean – Pretty much agree with what everybody said. Um, I think for the first game with the Kansas City game, you know, credit to Cincinnati. 
it's kind of been the theme all postseason for them, just just persevering and getting through. Um, with the Chiefs, I know we're going to talk about um, blind forehead later, but you know, there's this whole theme around black coaches. But Eric Bieniemy, if you're the one calling the plays, you ain't getting the job this go around either. That was trash. That little play at the end of the first half. If you're the one calling the plays, as Andy Reid kept putting out there that Eric Bieniemy calls the plays, horrible. Then in the second half, Cincinnati makes an adjustment on defense and you're still just doing the same thing. Sorry, you're not going to be the head coach of my football team either. And then uh, <laughs> Coach Murph, pretty sure you being an Eagles fan, that was classic Andy Reid being too cute. <laughs> so wasn't surprised by that. Uh, and I agree with Coach Pace with with, uh, with with Patrick Mahomes, a little too much hot dog in it. But because um, I, I kind of give them each a third of the pie in terms of the blame, because I because, again, I think we saw it in the Super Bowl last year. I mean, you're you know, your offensive line is compromised, but yet you make no adjustments. You're still playing as if like you're just the same old Chiefs. Um, so that's my takeaway there. Um, the Niners and Rams game, I'm giving hundred percent credit on the players. Um, as you guys said, Sean McVay made some questionable challenges. Uh, even I forgot what, um, I think it was like the end of the third quarter and, you know, they were pretty much, they were in field goal range. They ended up kicking a field goal, but like they're pretty much, it was like, I think it was third down and they tried to throw some little cute out, you know, screen pass. And you saw on the camera when um, McVay and, and Stafford had the little exchange and McVay said, Oh, that's my bad. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. Wanted, yeah. Wanted, He's like, yeah, my bad. I was like, I yeah, really man. Like, run down his mitt so bad. <laughs> they <laughs> robbed me. They robbed. Let me tell you something. Coach Natty. <laughs> I put together a small little parlay. You feel me? I said the Bengals will win and the Rams will win by four, at least four. And then I just had to see them win like 15 yards away from the touchdown by three. Mm -hmm. I hated the Rams forever. I will <laughs> hit them forever. Just off that, like I was going, like, I mean, Coach JP3 and Coach Pace can attest to this i was going off in the group chat but of course coach pace didn't care he just was kicking the man while he was down like you know yeah pockets my team <laughs> in the super billy was in the super bowl but you didn't win any money on it that's the difference <laughs> hey that's tough and plus you that money on the rams because they stress me out too much <laughs> so i i was um i really thought i was going to need like help like to see a psychiatrist or something. I was like in a dark place, <laughs> but we made it through, man. Like, yeah, yeah, but but that, yeah, that, that was my takeaways. And, um, you know, I think I think big credit to Aaron Donald because you know, you saw the you know, him pumping everybody up on the sideline, even though sometimes that gets a little annoying when the when the camera does it. Because I'm pretty sure you can catch that on any Sunday, a player kind of getting everybody riled up, but still. You can tell it was just like, listen, man, we're not losing to these dudes today. It's not happening today. 
So, you know, credit to the players on that because, you know, I think they kind of won in spite of Sean McVay in a way. So, you know, I, I give them all, all the credit in the world. So, um, yeah, so that, that was kind of my takeaways you know, from, from last weekend. Again, like you guys said, two, two great games. I think that's probably the best, like, back-to-back weekends of football I think I've seen. So, I, yeah, that was great. Just to piggyback on it, too. You know, I noticed that the the both the winners, their number two receivers really stepped up. Um, T. Higgins, I guess I would say he I don't know what happened to Tyler Boyd. He was there. He was the number one guy. And then Chase showed up. But T showed up as their number two guy um, uh, against the Chiefs and really came through clutch, I think, to get that initial like, I don't know, after the first half the initial like uh, momentum uh, going their direction. And then, you know, Chase started to go off and Burrow was starting to really feel it. And then same on the Ram side, that was such a great like one-two punch with Cup and Odell. And if Odell can have more games like that, you know, I think that they can be even more dangerous, obviously in the, um, in the passing game. But, you know, most, most defenses are looking to double cup as much as they can which gives Odell you know plenty of opportunity so I think the number two receivers really showed up if it can be like that for the rest of the end of the season and follow into the next season those two teams could be really dangerous on offense you can't be receivers I gotta I gotta add I know Curtis Mark we we kind of went here last week but Cooper Cup went I, I think he's the best receiver in the league right now, man. Mm-hmm. Period. Man, man, the man was double team, sometimes Next triple team. Hey, 7 Eleven, always and open. Still put up 100. <laughs> open. Hogan is no longer 7 Eleven. He's, he's got better, he's got better know, stats like, this season I mean, than Jerry Rice. Yeah, he had great stats this season, but now nah, he's not the best. Receiver in the league. He's got the best stats of any receiver. Number live. Like I'm telling you, he's better than Chris Carr. At least he said his, numbers lie. this year. Yeah, numbers lie. Numbers lie. Numbers lie. You sound like you in a funk. What? Listen, I don't. I have nothing against Cooper Cub. I feel like this is nobody was talking about him. Was it you I that was talking about Devontae Adams being I, better? Yes, he is. Oh my gosh. D Hop is better. D Hop had mad different quarterbacks and always produced. And I think D Hop, or I know, I don't even think, I know D Hop is better than Cooper Cup. Not this year. Rams to the bowl. I don't give a damn about none of that. I don't listen. <laughs> better stats for a season don't matter to me. Like, we can't just automatically catapult this man up after one now season. they don't matter now they don't matter what do you mean now they don't matter i've always been this way bet brady because the best qb in the league who was my bad he retired <laughs> <laughs> well I don't, well i i don't think he necessarily came out of nowhere though i mean if you look at his stats i mean mm-hmm. minus his rookie year but yeah but like a few years i mean it's top but five stats. No, but nobody has ever been saying for the past like three, four, five years, no one has ever said Cooper Cup has been even a top 10 receiver. Now automatically he's the best because of one. Oh, no, well, that's I don't think that's his fault. I think that's just the media. No, and, he's and not flamboyant. 
But the numbers show that he has been top 10. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, at least if you go argue that, you gotta like show that the numbers don't show. I agree. Listen, he's not the best. That's all I'm saying. He can be top five. He's not, he's, I mean, he, can, he can be top three, but he's not one. He's not okay. two. I'm giving that to what? D-Hop and, and Devonta. What does That's he have cool. to do? Because they're at home. <laughs> what does he have to do to, to, to get, like, at least in the conversation of being amongst the best? But he's amongst the best. I'm just saying he's not the best. Mm. That's what I'm okay, gotcha. the best. And I'm like, no, that's why I say he could be top three, but no, he's not the best. I don't care what his numbers is this year. So this might be a season where it's just an abnormal, you know, really great season. He'll come back to earth. This is just an aberration and then he's coming back. <clears throat> I wouldn't even say all that. I'm just saying like this is a, okay. a really great season. It could become an aberration because like this I mean, this season, like, you really haven't seen nothing like this before. But if he follows something up next year, the year after that, it doesn't need to be of this magnitude. But if you can just constantly see that, like, okay, he's up there, then I would give him that. And then we can start saying, okay, top two, maybe number one, but no, nah, not not this. Not okay. this. That's good. If you look at his number the past three three years, it's you know, been gonna, in that mix. I'm gonna look more into it this week, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll talk to y'all about it, whether it's before in the pod or after, and let y'all know. I don't think because he's because he's just because he's Cooper Cup. He's not he's not flashy. He's not even the most popular guy receiver on his own team. So I mean, he just kind of he don't really say anything. He's pretty boring. He just goes and out I, and catches footballs and runs routes. Like and I understand so, all that, and I love players like that. But that's the that's the thing. It's not even a media thing. I'm just talking about amongst people. Uh, yeah. Even you guys, like until this year, I haven't heard anything about him until this year from y'all. And like I watch the game religiously and then he never really stats wise or you know name wise just jumped out of my, on my screen and I was just like oh yeah he's definitely up there amongst them I feel like it was a huge a, a huge gap between the receivers I mentioned and him I mean like nobody was even talking about him being better than Keenan Allen who's definitely underrated heavily underrated and he's just like he's just like Cooper Cup in terms of he keeps his head down he runs his routes so on and so forth. True. But you but... make an interesting point because he was slot for a while. You know, he was behind at one point Brandon Cooks and obviously Wait, and you Bob go Woods. So yeah, I mean, he he took some time to emerge. So I get what you're saying too. But yeah, but one of the big storylines going to the Super Bowl the last time when they played the Patriots, Cooper Cup wasn't there. <laughs> Their offense looked trash. Yeah. We'll see. Todd Gurley wasn't either. He was on the bench because Sean McVay. That was Sean McVay. Yeah, that was that was. I don't know what that was. Ten carries, right? Like ten? No, six, eight. Honestly, it was single digits though. I told you he was out there point shaving. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely think <laughs> Cooper is headed in the right direction. Um, and it, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you insert Matthew Stafford and then all of a sudden Cooper Cup mm. blows up. Um, and that's not that's not dissing cup. That's just saying you, sometimes you need a quarterback that can maximize the talent at the at the receiving end. 
So, I mean, you were struggling with Jared Goff as your quarterback. So Mm -hmm. what was Hopkins doing with Tom Savage as the quarterback, right? Instead of Watson, what would Devontae be without Rodgers? So you need both of those things to be lined up at the same time. So I'm anxious to see. Trash QBs and put up numbers. I'm telling you that. No, I yeah, I mean, like he's still. I'm he's not still saying good. that he's trash. The same. Right. Well, okay. okay. Well, also, I, you're okay. I'll concede this because you're right in this point because of Cooper Cup hasn't had even with a bad QB, he was never the guy. So I guess that also plays a role in it, right? Because I mean, if you're just a slot guy and then you have a bad quarterback, I mean, you're really not getting looks as is. And then you pair, pair that with being with a bad quarterback, where it's just like, hey, you're not a good quarterback, but this is your receiver and you have to target him. So there's mm-hmm. that difference. So that's why I think I need to see more consistency. Like now you have a great quarterback and you're the guy. So let's see if you continue to do that. So I'll I'll take that in consideration that he this is his first year of really being like the man. And it just happened that he had a, a competent quarterback with him this year. Yeah, I'm optimistic about the Stafford Cup relationship going on moving forward and very happy for Odell. You know, when this whole the whole Odell acquisition, you know, came out, we were kind of questioning, like, you know, was man, we really hope he does well because we were all rooting for him. We were like, hey, you know, you know, L.A. could be distraction if he stays focused, studies the playbook. They give him a fair shot. He'll, you know, he'll do fine. And all those things have come to fruition. He's been, you know, great in and outside the locker room. He's he's caught passes. You know, he's done his job. He, he's not complaining when he was getting only a few targets the first couple of games. They're finding their rhythm and using him a little bit more. I mean, so, I mean, he showed up big, huge last week. You know? and, and so I know that a lot of people are talking about, oh, you know, there's, there's a big debate whether – uh, if Odell was there or not, would they have made it to the Super Bowl? And I say, well, at the very least, they would not have beat the 49ers without Odell Beckham. Like that, that is like, I 100% believe that. Like, because I mean, when you're, when you're getting most of your catches as first downs, like, I, I just think like that, that stuff that, that people don't really focus on because they're focused on the touchdowns. Cup gets the touchdowns and the yards. But like you need a you need a second person that's going there to be like, okay, if I'm in single coverage, that's me all day. You know, and Odell, you know, to his credit, he found the spots on the field. They found a way to get him a ball, get them get him the ball. So I think um that relationship so happy that that ended up working out because we weren't sure when it first happened. Um, I, I do let's have a pray quick for question. Eli Apple next week. Let's pray for Eli. Oh, yeah, I, would, I did want to mention because <laughs> I promised the guy he's gonna get abused like a little child. I do have a quick question with uh, this is for Coach Natty T and Coach Jay because we talked about this in the group chat <clears throat> briefly and I and I want to spend too much time on this but um, you know I don't do you side with uh, I don't really uh, remember you picking a side Coach JP three on whether Odell was kind of like the game changer to get them to the Super Bowl but you know that was coach Pace's stance but I was on the stance of you know barring the Robert Woods injury I feel like they would have made it regardless so if Robert Woods was playing I feel as though they still would have been there 
Uh, Coach Pace doesn't believe so. What do y'all think? I think they would have. I think they would have made it regardless. Um, not to say that Odell's impact hasn't been right. great, because again, with Robert Woods going down, he basically filled that role. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I think I just like the defense, man. Because Aaron Donald, that man right there, goodness gracious! <laughs> Between him and Von Miller and, and Jalen Ramsey. Like to me, that's that's as much as the offense, the, the numbers look good mm-hmm. and they're explosive. To me, those three, they're those are the three best players, period. First ballot, the Hall of Famers right there. So that that's your anchor. So that's why for me, I think they would have gotten there, you know, based on those three's leadership and just their their high level of play. So that that's just my opinion. But you know. Of course, the offense gets most of the buzz because yeah, there's the offense. Talked about it. Those three, those three, man, they they holding it down. So that's why I think. Yeah, I I have to agree. I think the Rams would have made it this far without Odell, and again, barring that Woods is healthy, um, but I don't think that Odell. I don't think he was the single contributing factor, just like Coach Natty T said. There was multiple things that came into play, different games where defense came alive, other games where you, you had Sony that came alive and showed up because Cam wasn't – Akers wasn't healthy, and so thank goodness for a solid run game they were able to conjure together. Then they had, obviously, McVay when he is doing smart, offensive plays. So I think it's a, a various thing, a various uh, mixture of things that brought them to where they are. I would say that Odell, um, Odell at one point kind of held them back. No offense to any anyone who's like <laughs> Coach Pace. At one point, he kind of held them back only because he was inserted into, hear me out, Pace, he was inserted into the system instantly. And uh, Robert Woods was hurt, so he had to fill that that spot. And you could see where he just didn't exactly know the play or, you know, um, Stafford was saying, no, you need to be on this side of the line or he's throwing it and expecting him to be there. There were points where Odell held him back. But as soon as he got back up to speed with everybody, he added to many other reasons why they are here today. I don't think he I don't think he held them back. I, I feel like that's too big of a statement because holding them back is if he wasn't there and Robert Woods went down and you have Van Jefferson there, whether he reg- knows the plays or not, they're not going to go on this run. So I feel like Odell was that medium between Jefferson and Robert Woods. That's why I feel as though that uh, it wouldn't have made a difference if Robert Woods was healthy. I could see them in the Super Bowl because we were talking like that all year even going into the season that these were the, the favorites. Uh, and I don't think them picking up Odell was like, oh, now they're really going to make the Super Bowl. We already thought they were going to be there anyway. So I, I wouldn't say he held them back just because of if he wasn't there and it was Van Jefferson, they probably would have got bounced by the butts. Gotcha. That's a good question. But um... – yeah, I think hmm. – yeah, I don't think Van Jefferson could have 
made the production that Odell did against the 49ers. So I think without Odell, and let's just say, you know, you know, Woods goes down because that had nothing to do with Odell. He would have went down regardless. And then Van Jefferson's inserted. Yeah, I don't think they beat the 49ers. I think they lose in the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. So we I, I Tom Brady. What you mean? <laughs> I will be playing this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's possible too. Yeah, that's possible too. But yeah. Well, we'll see uh what's going on moving forward. But what I will say, you know, we touching on kind of what we talked about. Uh, we're gonna make our predictions next week, okay, since we have a little little time before the big game here. But what I would like for us to dig into now, we've touched on it a little bit, is what has impressed us most about each team that's going to be playing next Sunday? And so we'll start with the Bengals. What has impressed you most about the Bengals this year? Kel Burrow. <laughs> Two words. Andrew Marchese. Yeah. Yeah, like I – I feel like I said it already, it's their resiliency. And I feel like that comes from the swagger that Joe Burrow brings. So that's all I got to say about him. You know, I'm going to have to actually throw a little sideball here or curveball. And that's um, my man, Evan McFearless, McPherson. Uh, that dude has kicked them into the next game every, almost every game in their playoff run. Um, and he's made clutch kicks, man. I mean, he's got ice in his veins. Um, and I think he's a rookie, right? Is he rookie this year? I believe so. For someone to have that much calmness in their mind as a kicker, you know, you're already kind of the oddball of the team to just be calm in heavy situations like that. I think he's impressed me the most. I believe I was trying to find all the stats for it. I believe out of all the games, three games in the playoffs, that's four quarter, yes, four quarters per game, twelve quarters total. He's had to score field goals for this team, ten out of those twelve quarters. The guy is what they need in order to keep themselves on the board. He's scoring for them every single time. Fourth quarter, definitely. Um, so he's really impressed me outside of the other two guys you mentioned, Burrow and Chase. Well, you guys stay at the obvious guys, so I'm going to show some love to the defense, man. Um, so first off, we got both safeties. I'm going to just say Von Bell and Jesse Bates, all right, because they are covering up for Wouzier and Eli Apple. <laughs> I don't know how they're doing it, but both <laughs> corners stink, <laughs> okay? I don't. I really don't know how they're doing it, but, I mean – Von Bell come up and play in the box, and Jesse Bates just seems to find the football. Don't know how, don't know why. He just finds the football. All right. And then you got um those two. And then you got good old Trey Hendrickson. Yes, sir. Because somehow, some way, if you need a big play, go to 91. Strip sack, sack on the third down. Their defense goes as far as 91 goes. So those guys right there. Um, and I'm going to just say shout out Eli Apple because he be going on his Twitter rants and I need a good laugh. Um, and he be, I mean, I don't like him. I think he's trash. But, like, he did have to play the game last week. So, somehow, some way, he's avoided getting toasted left and right. 
but yeah, Trey Henderson in the safeties for sure. Yeah, I was going to show some love to the defense too because I think they were the huge question mark. That and the offensive line were the two big question marks as the Bengals progressed throughout the season. And the defense, while not like a shut-you-down defense, they're a very opportunistic defense. So when we look at Patrick Mahomes' you know, interceptions, uh, that first one was a bad, bad throw, but great ball skills by the defensive, defensive lineman to be able to tip that and grab it. I think if even if he doesn't pick it off, I think it was Hendrickson was like behind him. He probably would have picked it off because it was that bad of a throw. Like it, ball shouldn't have went in that direction. But taking advantage of the opportunities, um, and then in, in the the interception in overtime, you could say maybe he shouldn't have went to that side of the field in Mahomes. But that was a great play in the secondary. You know, jumping behind Tyreek Hill and knocking the ball forward you know, out of his hand because the, the pass was on target. Like he had, like Hill had the ball, was going to grab the ball. And it was just a great play by the secondary there to get that second pick. Uh, so I look at when you need a play made, can your defense make that play? And we talked about coach Murphy, talked about their resiliency. And I, I really think that's true for the defense. After you get burned for 21 straight points, there are defenses in the NFL that have just mailed it in. Like, you know, we're that is just not our, our day. We made it this far. But they were like, no, we're going to make our adjustments. We're going to stay disciplined, and we're going to capitalize on opportunities. Because what you all said about Mahomes, and Coach Pace said Mahomes has the – he's, he's going to give you an opportunity to make a play against him. And they almost did all – made all three of those plays. Um because Eli Apple had that interception. That was a pick six, like real easy, real easy there. But they made up for him on the, later on. But yeah, two out of those three plays they 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 made. So in the second half and overtime. Um, so we're gonna switch. When you get momentum when you're on the one yard line and you want to get cute and throw a sideline pass instead of kicking stupid field goal. That does. That could have helped win the game. is like, oh, okay, all right, we good. He, Second half, they came out with all that energy. Yeah. Side note, real quick, let me give a shout out to Mike Hilton as well, because um, he's like the best blitzing corner in the league. I don't know why the Steelers gave him up. Coach Jay, I, I, y'all suck, bro. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I, I truly don't know why y'all gave him up and let him go inside the division. That make it truly makes no sense to me. But I he's think by I know far, why. like, he's like by far the best blitzing corner I've seen in like a while. Um, he just comes up with plays. So shout out to him too, because he de- he definitely be doing his thing. Yeah, he's great, man. We we and- I, I'll just real quick. The reason why we couldn't afford him probably is because we we had been for too many years and started to lose a good number of good cornerbacks, not just him. I can't for, I can't remember who's uh with the, with the Eagles uh he's there too I can't remember his name for the life of me anywho yeah we lost two of them because we just couldn't afford to keep them is what I'm guessing but go ahead are you talking Nelson yes Stephen Nelson thank you those were our starting QB cornerbacks on both sides yeah they done a heck of a job Nelson ain't really doing that. 
<laughs> no, they they've done a good job, like just taking pieces from different teams and putting them together and making them, uh, you know, a, a, a decent defense. Like you know, Eli Apple was like the butt of a lot of people's jokes because he was getting torched in New Orleans and, and everything like that. And uh, Hendrickson was always a good player. Like he wasn't, you know, uh, he was he was always. Always legit, but you know Hilton played well. Wouzier was the butt of jokes for the Cowboys because he was getting burnt every week. I was tired of watching him getting getting beat over the top, especially every Sunday. Somehow they've been able to put it together, put those guys together. So I you notice that anytime a player leaves Jerry's kids or Jerry's world, they end up just being better somewhere else. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them do. Like yeah yeah so i'm gonna flip the script and coach pace you can start us off on this one what has impressed you most about the rams this season well see now that you asked james <laughs> ask me first. Uh, you know i've been waiting <laughs> on this question you know we're actually as stressful as they are outside of the tampa bay game because somebody made a call i can't tell me nobody made a call Four fumbles and one half sound a little iffy to me. That sound like bounty gate type ish, but neither here nor there. Uh, probably our resiliency, man, because like a lot of things are hyped upon us because I mean we went all in. Um, we didn't went and got a future Hall of Famer. We didn't went and got Odell, who has been a godsend for our team. Matt Stafford um, traded him first round pick so like um pretty much our resiliency especially in you know losing to the 49ers twice uh, tom brady coming down your back y'all down y'all up 27-3 um we went on a three-game skid in the middle of the season not everybody over here like is the rams really gonna do it are they really contenders or pretenders uh, so resiliency of course, Mr. 7-Eleven, you know what I'm saying? Cooper Cup doing his thing, always open. Um, I think Cam Makers coming back has given us a jolt. Granted, one game he screwed us over, but it's fine. We overcame him. I think the mo- the biggest thing I'm really worried about is our coach, <laughs> which is sad. I'm not <laughs> even worried about Matt Stafford anymore. I'm worried about my coach. I really am. <laughs> Because somehow, some way, if he lose, it's going to be because he was trying to window dress and motion everybody and, like, call timeouts when he didn't really need to because all he had to do was line up and run a play. If he can just come up with a solid game plan, I think we'll be fine. I truly do. But that's asking a lot of dude. And I don't know if we can do it. I'm really scared because he really cost <laughs> us the game. But yeah, man, our resiliency and just like, you know, everybody coming together and doing their thing. And uh, also, Aaron Donald didn't make a play all last week. But when you need him to, he going to make a play. And, you know, he got the game clincher. So it's all good, man. Shout out to 99, man. I ain't going to get on Odell either because, you know, I can ramble about Odell. I know how I feel about Odell. I got my jersey getting washed right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my biggest thing for this team is um, 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go front office. I'm a. I just less need the the GM. Uh, just for him to you know mortgage their future, um, for you know this Super Bowl run was huge. I feel like um, you know more more teams should do this. It's just I feel like he he saw the state of the team and was just like we're we're just too close to not buy in because if they kept if they kept Jared Goff I mean they would just be a mediocre team like they will probably be like a wild card team um every other year or so um just waiting for him to develop but it's just like no everybody else is ready to win now but you so let's just win so um, I guess my biggest thing is for them is just just going all in. I feel like that gets overlooked a lot. Um, like a lot of teams, they just like to wait and just be like, okay, this guy is young. Just let him develop. Just let him develop. But it's like I, we had this conversation. I forgot what team it was about. But I was like, you know, sometimes you just got to cut bait and just you just have to make moves. You just got to make a move. Like everything can't just be a waiting game or just like y'all said with big Ben kept them too long. Now you're losing good corners. There's going to get to a point where, you know, Aaron Donald is just like, I'm over here, the best defensive player in the league. And I'm just wasting my years waiting for Jared Goff to show up. Like, no. And then you bring in Jalen Ramsey. It's like, okay, you're literally bringing in everybody else to make the team better, but this guy is holding you back. You gotta, you gotta do something about it. So, um, yeah, that's all I gotta say about them. Shout out to Les Snead. Yeah, I'll give it to the the front office as well. I think they made the right moves, you know, going all in. And I, I think the team bought into um, everybody is as important. Nobody as is as important as everybody. Um, I appreciate that about the team. What really surprised me, um, and obviously we could go on with the defense, we can go on with Odell, but uh, I was thinking about Eric Weddle kind of just sliding in and really fitting in real quick. Like he seemed to just flow with the team, their defense coming out of retirement, off the couch and on the field, you know, I think he has fallen into place and become a great piece of the team very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything, I, anything you guys have said. Um, I think for me, I guess the validation for Matt Stafford, I would say, um, you know, because I think coming in, it was, you know, obviously it was a big free agent pick or not free agency but a big trade i should say um you know it's just that constant debate of well you know was it detroit or but if he's really that good probably should have won at least one playoff game and you know you had megatron and you know this that and the third so you know for him to really come up big and and really play well um and especially the game against tampa bay to come up with that big throw at the end i mean that's that's clutch i mean that's that's what you got him for. So uh, I think that's my biggest takeaway just on top of what, you know, what's already been said already. So that's, that's what I got. Yeah. 
And sometimes there's a difference because golf doesn't make that throw. Like those throws, golf does not make those. So it's, it, it, it was nice to see like, yeah, you know, this dude can make the plays given the opportunity, you know, with a good team in the front office, I'll support him. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause we talk about the lines all the time. That's where careers go to die. Like they literally made two elite people retire in their primes. Like, cause they were just like, you know what? We're not, we don't even want to go to another team. We're just going to quit football altogether. That's how bad it was. That's how bad. That's like, you know, you, you break up with someone and it's like, you know, I don't even want to date anybody anymore. Like that relationship was that bad. I'm just done in general. I'm just going to be me, myself and I for the rest of my life. You know, so like that, that's how bad it was for, for, for Megatron and Barry Sanders. So I, yeah, Stafford makes throws that I see this year that golf would not have been able to make. Um, I agree with you all. Their boldness is something that I love uh, because there is that constant dichotomy of building through the draft and just like, nah, we got the players that could fit together in this team currently in the league. Then let's just make that happen. Then we'll just do that and win now Uh, because it's, as we see the, the mortality of teams, is 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 so quick especially in the nfl mm-hmm. you know especially in the nfl where you think ah oh, you know they're going to get them next year you don't see them again for another five to seven years if that if that if that so yeah big ups to the rams on that their bold moves have played off when defensive plays were needed you you had you know i mean von miller you know has had big plays it's like you didn't hear von miller's name the whole game and he's like all right they need a play. I got it. And <laughs> He just comes around a corner and then boom, like on cue. And when you got mm-hmm. people that can turn it on at any given time, no matter the, the pressure or the situation. Yeah. Like that's going to bode well um, for a team moving forward. So, yeah. Oh, and uh, can, I, can I piggyback on top of that coach JP three. Mm-hmm. So um, Detroit, the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. I might as well just be a college football team at this point. As you said, you ruined two Hall of Fame careers. Barry Sanders said, I just, I'm done. I can't do it. Megatron said, I'm done. I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, thank goodness Matt Stafford got traded. I mean, the year he gets traded, he's in the Super Bowl. Great. I mean, goodness gracious. And then number two, and you're going to laugh, but I never try to waste an opportunity to try Cleveland. Baker Mayfield, you should retire. Because <laughs> Odell left and my man's in the Super Bowl. Talk about it. And and your boy Joe Burrow, he's in your division. He ain't going mm. nowhere for a long time. Mm. And all these excuses I hear Baker, well, it's the Browns and you know, it's such a bad situation. Well, Joel Burrow went to just as bad of a situation and got to the Super Bowl in his second year. Mm-hmm. What excuse you got now, Baker? Mm-hmm. So, and if if a Steeler rookie quarterback comes in and does better than Baker, then he really is on the hot seat. That's all. You know, Lamar's coming with Avengers next year. Exactly. Yeah, you know, Lamar's coming with Avengers. You know, because they're you know because they're holding now. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just keeps shooting progressive commercials. You know, he's really good at that. 
But <laughs> I just want I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, now the Browns is actually also one of those teams like they are in win now mode and they should definitely ship out Baker for a really good quarterback and they'll be set. You got the running game, you got the defense. You could it's hard to say about the receivers. You probably could use another receiver. But then again, it's just like, is it the receivers or is it Baker? So who knows? I yeah. think it's the rece- I think it's the receivers now. I think they had a great like with the two tight ends plus Odell plus Jarvis plus Higgins and Peoples Jones. I thought they were solid, but now it's kind of like Stefanski. Stefanski don't know how to use his receivers. It's just fun. that's how it is. So like he's probably trying to work around Odell's. I mean, not Odell, but uh, Baker's lack of a skill set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's going. Yes, no, that's a good point. That's a good point, though. If you're the Browns, look at what the Rams just did. Pay attention and follow suit because they we talked about them last season. They did make some bold moves themselves defensively. They did some smart contracts on that defensive side of the ball. Don't rick, you know, Miles Garrett, don't waste his years. Nick Chubb, don't waste his years. Kareem Hunt, don't waste his years. You know, so like I and, and I mean with Mixon is a is a really, really good running back. Would you rather have Joe Mixon and Samaji P. Ryan, or would you rather have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Right? Nice. Like you would probably pick the two backs over the one and a half, right? Uh, so you have that you had Odell, you know, so now the receiving core for the Bengals looks better because they lost Odell. Um, the defense for the Browns is better than the defense of the Bengals. Right. So like, I, I'm looking at this like, yo, ship them off. Baker would get it. There's enough desperate teams that Baker will get something. Like if the, if you wanted to get something for him, now is the time. While the narrative is kind of, oh, he was injured and everything like that, and yeah, they just had an off year. Odell left, so he lost his best receiver. As the Browns, you've proven that you don't believe in him wholeheartedly. So why why hang on to them? He Damn. still has some stock. Go ahead and get rid of him now. Get something for him, and move forward. To the Texans. The Texans. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of retirement, so we talked about Baker Mayfield may need to retire here shortly. We did have a GOAT recently retire in Tom Brady. We haven't had a chance to talk about it on the show yet. Um, so we won't go too deep into this, but I thought it would be pretty cool if we shared our, our favorite Tom Brady moment or something that we're, you know, a uh, uh, um, a highlight or something that stands out for us. So whoever wants to tackle that first, go right ahead. I feel like Coach Pace should go first because his is the most recent. (laughs) Hey, we put that boy in retirement. That's all I really (laughs) care about. Sent him home. Listen, we sent Thomas Patrick Edward Brady Jr. packing that's all I really care about. Good riddance. Actually, no, man. It's kind of sad to see him go because he was really – it's one of those things where, like, we really didn't make him retire. Giselle made him retire because he really never dropped off. He was still, like, the best QB statistically. 
And it was kind of just like, all right, guys, I'm bored. My wife needs me and my kids need me to see you. But nonetheless, we sent him home. I don't really care. (laughs) For me, I mean, um, I was never really a a Brady fan. Um, He was just somebody I just respect his game, his take on the game. I just love competitors. Um, He's – it's funny. Like, I I had this conversation with uh, Coach JP3 and Coach Pace about, like, when – could you really, like, miss or be sad that uh, a football player retires? Because I tried to go through my memory bank of all the players that retired uh, that, you know, I was a fan of, like, when I first got into football, my favorite player was Donovan McNabb. But when he retired, I was just like, eh, okay. And the thing where Brady, you would think that, you know, I'll, he, some people will have some type of connection to him because of what he accomplished. But I feel like the NFL is such a team game that it's just kind of hard to see it that way. And I kind of view Tom Brady as a hybrid of, Michael Jordan in terms of accomplishments and winnings, but also viewed as like a CP3 where he's highly respected in terms of leadership and play, but nobody really cares. (laughs) So that's kind of like the boat I am with him. But um, my favorite memory of him, I'll, I'll set the scene. It was, um in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Super Bowl 52, February 4th, 2018, Philadelphia Eagles versus the Patriots. Nick Foles taking over for the injured Carson Wentz. W for Philadelphia Eagles first uh, Super Bowl win in franchise history. Thank you, Tom Brady. Thank you, Tom Brady. <laughs> All right, Coach Jay, what you got? You guys, wow, these moments are just, uh, evil. just evil. I don't, I don't know. I don't really think these are really moments that highlight Tom. But anywho, I would say, um, yeah, he's definitely one of the greatest up there as as a goat for sure. Um, my favorite moment. Um, took some time to happen because I, I, as an AFC (laughs) contender, we hated Tom Brady and the Patriots. And so as time went on and we kept getting beat every single time before we get to the conference or even before we get to the Super Bowl, I just hated Tom. And then it took me a bit to finally start to appreciate and accept that he's just, he's a goat. Um, Once that was realized, that was when when Tom came back from a huge deficit in the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons, um, it was that was the moment where I was both upset <laughs> and kind of appreciative to witness that moment, to be able to see somebody lead their team from the third quarter down three to twenty-eight, come back and win a game. Um, that was the moment where. I accepted there's no stopping this guy. He's great. And I hate it. Even though he's deflated balls and his coach has been caught with cameras on other teams and 
I just I have to accept the fact that this moment right here in the Super Bowl, at least today, we haven't proven that there's been any kind of cheating or anything. But that moment in time, that's where I, I recognize Tom is is definitely the greatest. Um, and then one other side note is that I would say a lot of his time with Randy Moss on his team, I, I really enjoyed watching him play when he wasn't playing against the Steelers with Randy. Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, you got Moss happened before that, but it, there were so many highlights where you can just watch Randy shine and Tom putting the ball perfectly in a place for him to catch it and Moss somebody. So those are my, my little few moments. Thank you, Coach Natty Yeah, you actually, yeah, that, that's right where I was going to go. I think probably the most enjoyable time for me watching Tom Brady was when, when he had Randy Moss there. Uh, that was just, you're just watching history. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he's known as the GOAT. And, you know, when you when you've won seven Super Bowls, I mean, that's the more than any other franchise. And except then, for the Steelers. Well, except for the Steelers, but still. Right. <laughs> I'm the fact that this is even a conversation is ridiculous. <laughs> for one player. Yes. And then I think he has like the third most playoff wins in NFL history. Like yeah. for even above like franchises. Like that's just that's impossible. Um, so it it's crazy. But I think my most memorable moment was the 50 touchdown, the 50th touchdown pass he had that season with Randy Moss. Cause even though they ended up losing the Super Bowl, you know, later on, you know, a month later, but I remember watching it and remember they knew they needed one more touchdown for both Tom and for Randy. And then they basically just ran like a go route. And then, you know, for whatever reason, it just, you know, came up short. Then they literally just ran the same play. <laughs> and they ran caught it. And they both broke the record. I mean, that that was just that that was that was ridiculous. That that was pretty crazy. So that's that's the one moment that always sticks out for me with Tom. Um, you know, above all the comebacks and Super Bowls and all that stuff. That that's the one play that sticks out because I, I think that's the one time I actually watched and was like, wow, that was pretty, that was pretty good. And actually just enjoyed what I was watching instead of being like, damn it, how do you do it again? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't enjoy watching him throw for 505 yards in a loss? I did. <laughs> well, I mean, you're a Philly fan. I mean, I don't, that game, I, I mean. It was that a was big awesome. game though. That, that was that was an interesting Super Bowl game. That was a great game, both well offensively. None of the defenses really showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, I was just glad that it was a great game. I mean, for me, you know. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with y'all on the, 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 the time with Randy Moss because you know we never seen Tom with a great wide receiver to that point and just to see like man like imagine if they had some if he always had someone like him like he got seven without randy right without the best receiver he's had in his whole career he got seven without him um but yeah like i wanted moss to get a super bowl ring so that's the only year i ever rooted for the patriots ever ever 
I rooted in the Super Bowl. I rooted for the Rams both times. I rooted for the Falcons. I rooted for the Panthers. I rooted for the Eagles. I rooted both times. Like I, anyone who was playing against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I was a fan for them for that day. For that day, um, except for that Super Bowl against the Giants, I was like, I want the Patriots to actually win. And then Tom got the nerve to actually lose that one. And I was like, I, I was like, man, this guy. And every time I, I I want him to win, I bet on him to win, he loses. And every time I bet against him, he wins. You know, so that's all right. Me and Tommy got beef, but that's cool. But I I will say that the thing that I'm going to remember most is the actual era of football and the quality of that era, especially the quarterback play. I mean, you look at Tom was kind of the last of that group. And, you know, I'm talking about, you know, well, you know, Ben's retiring too, so you could throw him in there, you know, retiring this year. So, I mean, you have Ben, you have Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, you know, all those guys. They made football extremely fun to watch. Though I hate, I rooted against the Patriots a lot, most of that time, and against some of those other teams, I respected the heck out of the way that they played the game of football because I'm like, these guys are all-time greats that are playing at the same time. How often as a fan do you get to see something like that happen? So, and Tom being the last one, last domino to fall, you know, retire, it's like, wow, you know, you, you just tip your cap off to that entire era of football. And Tom Brady was the was the star of that era. Uh, so, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I would throw in, he kind of, yes-ish, because Tom's, you know, career lasts so long that he kind of, it's kind of like LeBron in a sense, where it's like you think of, he's going to be, yeah, Kobe on the front end and his career lasted long. Uh, but then you're going to have folks like, um, you know, KD, Kyrie and all James Harden and all them on the tail end that didn't really necessarily share the same like prime era that that Kobe and Iverson and all of them were a part of. So uh, Rogers, yeah, it was was more of the later ones in his career. Yeah. So I guess we still have Rogers, but Rogers let us down this year, too. So, you know. But quick question, kind of piggybacking off that, it kind of popped in my head. Do you think as far as, you know, this era of, you know, quarterback play and, and just the overall quality of play? Because, you know, that barbershop talk when it comes to football, everybody likes to protect their era. Do you think as time goes on, as much people that dislike Brady, it will kind of turn into this more admiration of Brady as time goes on? Because, you know, whoever, you know, 20 30 years from now they're like oh man this guy is they're like man i don't know that dude tom brady was a bad man do you think or do you think that hatred will kind of continue as time goes on i think a fan of any team that tom brady has knocked out is going to ha have mixed emotions but i feel it's going to i mean jordan did the same thing right he broke so many fans hearts over the years if you were not a bull bulls fan but if they ask them who was the greatest player that played, they're going to say Jordan, right? I see the same thing for it. They're going to be like, man, I hate that guy, but man, he was good. He was the best I ever seen. He's the best I ever seen to do that. And I correlate that to not the best that I've seen play in the game, but one of the best I've seen play, uh, Tim Duncan. 
I absolutely hated the Spurs. Hated the Spurs. Rooted against them every single time they were in the finals. You know, I was a New Jersey Nets fan for, for you know, for, for a day. And I was, you know, all, all, I always looked at it like, why do they just keep winning? And I just can't. And Tim Duck, I couldn't get like too mad because he never said anything. Like he never actually did anything to make me upset. But it's just, how are you that good? I don't understand how you're that good, those teams. And when he retired, I'm like, dang, that dude was good, man. Like, and, and I, I find myself comparing people of his position to him. And that's how you know you, you're a benchmark is when people are comparing that position to, to a certain person. Tom Brady has that for football. They are, from this point forward, they are comparing every, already they're talking about Joe Burrow, right? Oh, you know, Joe Burrow reminds me of Brady, right? Brady is the benchmark. Uh, and, and so for that, I give respect where respect is due. And I think a lot of other people out there, if they're honest, they will do the same. I don't think they will. And that that's why I went with the analogy of saying the uh, MJ and CP3 thing. Because for me, I feel like for as, as good as Tom Brady has been, um, and that's visually and also through his numbers, um, I feel like it's just going to be one of those things is that I feel as though he hasn't truly had a, a signature year that was unblemished. And I mean that in terms of um, his undefeated season ending in a loss to the Super Bowl or, you know, two or three Super Bowl wins coming from, um, you know, Spygate or the Tuck Rule or um, what was the other one? the deflate gate or then you have the super bowl against seattle where it's just like oh well it's the throw on the one yard line or even atlanta they just didn't want to run the football i feel like it's just so many times where he won that was put in question versus because of other things and times that he you know lost where he was just favored to win so i think all it's going to take is just that one guy that is really talented to win like three or four Super Bowls. And then Tom Brady will just kind of like go off in the wind because then also you have that split thinking of some people just like, Oh, Tom Brady did all of this and he has seven Super Bowls. And you look like, okay, well he was paired with Bill Belichick and he has six as of now. So if Bill Belichick happens to win a Super Bowl you know, in his time in the league and get seven, then now it's just like, okay, well, now are we saying it's more of a 50-50 thing than a 60-40 Brady or however you look at it? Because right now people will give Brady the upper hand because he won one. So that's why I think he'll, it'll just be like, eh. yeah, he, he was a great quarterback. He won, but there's just so much, so too many stories and stuff intertwined in his career for people to just view him as a great quarterback. I can't wait for that documentary or, or tell all. And yeah, that's, <laughs> you, you're gonna have to do it in a series just like The Last Dance. It's just way too much to cover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm gonna transition. 
quick. Oh, go ahead, Coach Base. Real quick. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to be just like Mike and hold up all seven of them rings and be like, hey, I'm not trying to hear it. That's literally all he's going to do is hold up seven rings like Mike did. Well, Mike got six. But y'all get the gist of it. You can't really argue the wins. Win is a win, whether it's by one, half point, point one, a hundred thousand points. A win is a win. Yeah, but that's why I mentioned all like the the spy gates and tuck rules and all that. Because like a win is a win, but they're just like, well, he got that win because of this bad call or you know this and that. It's not all just because like, oh, well, he came back and won. But it's just like, well, the balls were deflated or oh, his coach was spying on the other team and so on and so forth. So. They're gonna, say that about, they're gonna say that about everybody though, because they're gonna be like, well, Draymond Green didn't get suspended for game six. I promise you LeBron wouldn't be coming. Like, uh, we ain't about to do that all day. Yeah, I think part of that is just that's sports. Yeah, I think that kind of gets built into the sports narrative because you can you can definitely dissect a lot of different outcomes that could have been different if this or if that happened. So yeah. And, I mean, that's, we'll and that's what, you know, with JP3. And then also you, uh, Coach Navity, was talking about in terms of his hatred for him. When you don't like a player, you're just going to hold that against him. People hate holding Brian close to MJ. So they're going to be like, oh, well, Draymond was out. Or, oh, you were dead. Who cares if Kyrie and Kevin Love is out? You're supposed to win that series. Is like, what? Yep. Like, you couldn't get a game against the Golden State Warriors with KD. And it's just like. Who cares if, you know, uh, they for, or, you know, RJ Smith forgot what the score was. You're supposed to win that game. It's just like, oh, okay, well. So that's why I feel as though they're not going to value him as they should because, one, they don't like him, and then there's too many stories around his wins and losses where it's just like, okay, and? No, that's fair. That's, that's why I asked the question because I think, you know, only time will tell. Yeah. Tom versus yeah. time. Tom versus time. <laughs> I think it definitely, I think it definitely helped him se- being separated from Bilicek and still being successful and having that be the end part of his career. So if it, I think he's going to be remembered a little bit more fondly than if he would have been drafted by Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl, then went to the Patriots and won six. Right? I, I think him being away from, from Foxborough and from that whole thing and still saying, I'm, I'm still good enough to win one and still good enough to get my team to, you know, you know, NFC divisional round and, and almost come back to win that one, you know? So like that, yeah, you know, but the hatred runs deep in sports. It really does. It really does. But, you know, big ups to, you know, a, a great career and, yeah, like I said, I think he's going to be the benchmark, and we'll see. The, the NFL is in good hands, though. The NFL is in good hands with a lot of excellent players, especially at the quarterback position. So it, it's not going to be as, for me personally, as when, when Jordan retired, like, I took that personally. Like, I felt like he he quit on me. Like, I felt like I was like, listen, we didn't talk about this. Like, you didn't you didn't text me. You didn't call. You didn't email me. You didn't write me a letter. Like, you're just going to retire on me. Uh, but then, you know, time moves on. You got folks like T-Mac and Vince Carter and Kobe and Iverson and, and Duncan and everything come into the league. And then you start to be like, all right, yeah, cool. Like it transitions in. I think the NFL has a very, very smooth transition. 
Uh, and people were talking, we, you know, we were talking about before what happens when LeBron retires in transition of the NBA. And I think there's enough talent that it could make it a smooth-ish transition, but who's going to actually take the mantle to be the face of the league? It's still kind of a question mark. And so what the NBA did was there really wasn't a face of the league after Jordan retired. It was kind of like by committee, you know, they did it by committee. And I think that's what the NBA is going to have to do after LeBron's retired. But I don't think the NFL has to do that. I think they got plenty of people uh, this go around to be effective still. At once it was Mahomes, wasn't it? I was saying at once it was Mahomes, he was the face and then they ripped his face off and put somebody else. (laughs) To your point, the NFL has never really been about one player. I mean, it's always been the shield. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why the machine keeps going mm-hmm. for the NBA it's funny that you bring that up they're in a real interesting situation because even if you think about the face of the NBA when LeBron leaves the next person you will probably think you would view as like his peers which is Steph and KD but you could view them like okay well they'll probably be here for like another three to five years so that's not they're old they're 33 uh, yeah, like, yeah, so like everybody, but oh. after that, like there, I feel like there's no like young player where you're just like, that's the guy yet. Because at first, everybody wants to say Luca, but Luca can't win in the playoffs. And then, I mean, that that's about it. You people like slightly bring in Trey Young, but yeah, eh, it's just a yeah. whole bunch of ifs, maybes, maybe. Maybe I was telling you, that's what I was talking about. So I'm trying to tell you, when you think about it, who's the next guy? I don't know. I mean, because they talked about, you know, Jason Tatum early on with the, the Celtics, and then now the Celtics is looking like, uh, I mean. Yeah. In a sport where there's a lot of focus on the individual, you have to have not only – excellent gameplay but personality too right kd has the game but not the personality and especially as of late he's come off as very not likable to many people but even if they respect his game and say hey he's top two player in the league right now i would say Giannis might be the best of both especially after winning that championship like Hey, he's okay. already said he don't want to be the face of the league, but they're he like, doesn't okay. want it exactly. But he's I think they're going to they're going to push that on him, whether he embraces it or not, is to be seen. Like you know, you said Curry, you know, he doesn't have the longevity of of, of that kind of top tier play to carry that mantle for another decade. You know, another generation, as we're talking about. Zion Williamson was the one that they put all you know all the eggs into that basket, and he can't stay on the court. You know, so. That, you know, you have your, you know, Jamal Murray, you beignets down there in New Orleans, man. BJ Jr. Jeez. Go on to the next one. Next, next topic. Next topic. <laughs> next topic. All right. So, and we're actually going to start, kick this off with you, Coach Natty T. You know, it's been all over the news. Brian Flores suing the NFL, especially the, you know, three teams. Uh, Hugh Jackson co-signing on some of that. Uh, and speaking out about and being incentivized to lose. 
And so, um, you know, it's kind of cool. We have we feel official here in the coach's box, having having an insider, you know, someone that knows the ins and outs of 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 of, of, of the situation. So, Coach Natty T, what do you have for us? No, I, I ain't no insider, man. I just, you know, I'm just trying to do my job and get paid accordingly. You're like our you know? Adam Schefter, our Woj. You are no, 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 but um, but yeah. So I like I have. I actually have the lawsuit here against because of my job. So one of my tasks was to actually read through it and examine it. So um, a few different areas like that kind of comes to mind with it. Because first, for Brian Flores, I think he's incredibly brave. And, you know, I commend him for, you know, basically doing this because he's putting his career on the line, essentially, um, because he just, you know, he just got fed up. He's just like, this this has got to stop. You know, I'm going to fight for you know, us fellow black coaches and, you know, trying to change the situation. So I, I totally like applaud him for that. And I think he's, you know, amazing for doing it. And before I go into my next part, I want to make it clear. Personally, I believe him. I'm on his side and I believe him. However, reading through the lawsuit, the lose example- your job, lose your job. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's pretty much already out there. I mean, okay, okay, okay. okay. I'm just making sure you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, reading through the lawsuit and based on what his claims are and the evidence that he has, I don't think he has a good case in terms of specifically racial discrimination. Because the things that he's laid out is incompetence and overall stupidity, but he doesn't have like the quote unquote the smoking gun to necessarily like say, oh, the reason why they didn't hire me is because, you know, I'm black. Now, again, personally, do I think that's a part of it? Absolutely. And obviously we've already talked about it ad nauseum, you know, in terms of the diversity and specifically, you know, African-American coaches in the NFL, there's an issue. But More specifically, the Miami Dolphins situation. So obviously the one that kind of caught the big headline was Stephen Ross owner offering him $100,000 to lose games. Problem is he didn't accept the money. So there's no paper trail. So there's no, you know, did, did he record the conversation? I don't know. I personally believe him, but in the court, I don't know. You can't prove that. Again, there's no paper trail. And then really everything else was kind of more geared at the GM, the differences between, you know, his views on Tua, he wanted Justin Herbert, but the ironic thing is that GM's black. So I don't know if that was necessarily a racial decision. I think you guys didn't have an agreement and then they let you go. Now, I think you're right, Brian Flores, because obviously them drafting Tua was a mistake and obviously you did an amazing job. So to be there, the idiots, but I can't necessarily go there to say they fired you because you were black. I can't go there based on what he's presented. Um, even the New York Giants and then the Denver Broncos thing. Again, do I think Brian Flores is better than Vic Vangio? Yes. Do I think Brian Flores is better than Joe Judge? Yes. Or maybe Brian Dable, okay, he coached Josh Allen and did a decent job, whatever. I think Brian Flores is better. But I can't necessarily say they didn't hire him because he was black. 
based on what he presented. Because he said with with Denver, with John Elway specifically, who runs Denver, he said they showed up late and they appeared disheveled and drunk. Well, do you have any evidence of that? No, he just assumed so. I don't know. I can't go there that, that it was race that why they didn't hire you. Same thing with the Giants. Now he has this text from Bill Belichick. But Bill Belichick says, I think Brian Dable is the guy. That doesn't necessarily mean that he knows. And number two, everybody forgets that Bill Belichick is the GM of the Patriots as well. So GMs talk to other GMs. It's no different than saying, oh, yeah, we're bringing this guy in. We really like him, but we're going to interview him. That doesn't necessarily mean they didn't hire you because you're black. So that's where kind of I am. The lawsuit, I don't think is going to necessarily come to fruition with anything because, again, I don't, he doesn't have like a smoking gun to necessarily nail down the owners. I wish he did. And trust me, when I was reading through the 58 pages, I was like, please, come on, please. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And it wasn't there. And I was like, oh, no. So for me, most likely what's going to happen is similar to the Colin Kaepernick suit when he sued the NFL for collusion. That's hard to prove because you need some like with the John Gruden emails, how they had the emails and they literally had him typing out the words coming from him. Colin Kaepernick didn't have any of that, but they settled just to say, all right, go away. I think that's what's going to end up happening here. But again, my personal belief, I'm on, I'm on his side because again, I've told you all this and you're going to laugh at me again because I'm going to go back to the well again. I blame Jerry freaking Jones. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> it always goes back to Jerry. <laughs> and no, but I'm not, I'm not even joking. I'm trying to tell you guys. Him offering him the $100,000, that's a Jerry move. You know how I know why? Because every year they have an owner's meeting in the offseason. And all the owners, even like newer owners like Stephen Ross, who do they all consult with? Jerry. Jerry and probably Kraft, those two probably. Yeah, but mostly Jerry. Jerry's the one that runs the NFL. Again, the Rams don't leave St. Louis and go to L.A. without Jerry's approval. Facts. Period. San Diego doesn't leave San Diego and goes to L.A. without Jerry's approval. And the Rooney rule and all that, have you all ever noticed that the Cowboys have never interviewed a black candidate? Yeah, I haven't heard of them interviewing anyone. And you notice how when Jerry loves to sing like a canary after the game. But when it comes to things like this, he's very quiet, isn't he? Because he runs the league. He wants to let things blow over. So he because he knows the bottom line is everybody's probably still going to watch the Super Bowl next week. So why should we have to change? It's not hurting the bottom line. That's Jerry's mentality. So... Can I interject? I just, no, I'm I'm done. 
Well, I mean, I'm, they, that's my first lap, but I'm just trying to tell y'all, man. The I, man's I, a devil. Yeah, I wanted I'm to, I wanted to, uh, you know, parlay that that Jerry Jones comment. With did y'all hear what he said about the Rooney Rule recently? About him, he said that yeah, there's some changes that needs to be made, and then they asked him like, "Well, what is it?" And then he had nothing to say. Yeah, Jerry had, had nothing to say. Really? I'm telling you, he runs the league because everybody's mad at Roger Goodell and the NFL. But I'm telling you, the owners are Roger Goodell's boss. He can't institute rules to his own bosses. That's not how it works. The owners are the one that run this whole thing. So I'm telling you. So I, again, my... I believe Brian Flores personally reading through the lawsuit. I'm, I'm telling you, I took, I had to go through it in two days. I was reading it so hard. I was like, come on, Brian, where, where, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Like looking for it. And he didn't have it. And I feel his pain because I think his lawsuit is coming from a place of anger because he obviously feels like he's better than those candidates, which I think he is. Yeah. And he's like, bro, like, clearly it's because I'm Black. And I believe you. And I think most people believe you. The court of public opinion mostly believes you. But if you're going to file a class action lawsuit, you need that smoking gun. And he doesn't have it. The closest thing he has is the Bill Belichick thing. But again, Bill Belichick doesn't work for the Giants. So he can say, oh, I think this guy's going to get it. And I, and I get the embarrassment that he felt and the anger that he felt, but that's not really a smoking gun to really pin them down and say, yeah, you didn't hire him because he's black. You don't have a recording that says, you know, the, the, the Mars for the Giants said, oh, yeah, he's nice, but he's black. We're not going to hire him. You don't have a recording. You don't have an email. So... I wish he did because, oh, my gosh, that would have made it my absolute life. But that's where I'm at. So I, I think that's a good yes. fight, Ryan. I hope you can keep going. <laughs> you know, I just don't know. I, I don't see a positive result here in the end, unfortunately. Well, I would say there is positivity. So, no, he didn't. From what we're what you're saying, he might not win the financial monetary fight. But I think the awareness, he has yes. pulled back some blinds that needed to be pulled back. Yes. I didn't know anything about the paid incentive to lose games. You know, I didn't know about people knowing like the inner league GMs and front office leaders and suits knowing and talking amongst each other days before someone else has an interview that this is the guy that's going to be leading the team. And I think that peeling back of the curtain is important for maybe baby steps to get to that big victory. I would hope that we're getting closer to the big victory, which is getting the spotlight on the owners. Maybe, yes, it hurts the owners much more with their pockets, and maybe they don't care if their spotlight is shown on who they really are. But at least we're getting closer to like the public starting to understand that this is this is an ugly business. Love the game, but the business is just filthy. May turn out to be a boycott, may not. But I think that's at least we've gotten some steps closer um, 
so yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Coach Natty T. And I would hope, you know, maybe the next incident comes with that big win. Yeah, I and I agree before you guys go. I agree uh, with that. Just the just the attention that is getting is good. But I think the tough part about it is it has to come to a crossroads at a certain point. And I think he's on an island by himself. Because if he had like like a whole bunch of other black, you know, assistant coaches with him in this lawsuit, it probably could have moved further, moved the needle further. But it's tough because you know, guys like Eric Bannon, guys like Byron Leftwich, I mean, they they want a head coaching job. And if you attach your name on that lawsuit, like, you're done. So it's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah. It's a tough, you know, how to move forward. Like, it's, it's tough because, you know, they, they, they just want to coach football, man. Like, yeah, you know, and, it, yeah, it's tough. So, but I, but I agree with you. I think at least the attention is getting – can at least be a baby step or half a step towards the positive direction. But yeah, it's, 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 it's tough all the way around, man. It's tough. He's some powerful dudes, man. Yeah. It was definitely brave for him. Dude. This is literally the, the David versus, versus Goliaths fight. Yes. Right. Yes. Goliaths. You, yes, absolutely. Goliaths. Yeah. And sure. it's funny because uh, Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackson said that he uh, has some some proof with his time with the Browns, but it's kind of like one of those things where <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Flores around, Brian Flores looks around. He's like, "Okay, anybody else?" <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he's not like the, you know the ideal guy, but like you know numbers matter. So if you, especially if he can bring some type of proof, that will be huge. Right now, this is I just view this as a rustling of feathers. Um, but mm. everybody knows the, the best way to make change is to attack their, you know, the owner's pockets. And that's very hard to do when you have the other minority coaches that want a job because you're telling them to, you know, the bravery behind Brian Flores doing this is also one, it's a huge up hill battle with not having any solid proof but also just financially where it's just like okay i'm sacrificing my career and then other people just like well i'm not really done yet which he's not either but it's just like okay do i step up for this cause that you know may not work out because some people are going to look at it as like okay well i could put my name on this but if no proof comes up my name is just on here and I just got myself kicked out of the league for, you know, a good cause, of course, but that, I mean, that's, that's just a huge step to take. Cause even, I mean, players could be like, you know, I'm not, I'm not playing until, you know, whatever happens, but nobody's doing that. Yeah. Pat Mahomes almost makes, you know, a, a half a billion dollars. Yeah. And then it's just like, okay, well, but my team needs me, you know, and then, you know, they just try to juggle all that. Uh, I feel like so much has come out, but it's like, a, it's like a bunch of empty calories right now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, it, it's out there, but like, 
there, there's nothing we can do with it yet. So I feel like it's so much to say, but still there's nothing to say. It's just like a weird, weird state. Cause I mean, we know, we've always known that the NFL has been racist and just like to coach Jay's point, it, it's like, or I forgot who said it, maybe it was coach Natty T, but you know, it's a dirty business. We love the game, but it's, it's just a dirty business. And it's just, they have it so concealed where it's just like there's really no easy way to you know dismantle it so I mean of course I'm hoping for the best uh for Brian Flores and uh, you know all the minority coaches whether they you know step up and fight this fight with them or not I'm not judging anybody that you know steps up with them or doesn't because I mean that's just a personal thing you have to make yourself and that's um I mean that's a huge fight to to have of even you know not saying anything and just constantly going through the same battle as everybody else is being overlooked for years while some random coach in college come take the job that's perfect for you but just because like hey he had success in college so he can have success in the NFL when you have a black OC or defensive coordinator that's just like hey you had success in the NFL but we're going to go with this this college white guy with no experience so I, I'm, I'm curious uh, but I'm also curious of what the, the owners think about the the Bill Belichick text as if they feel some type of way about it of that mistake because in my mind, and this is kind of a, a hot take, if they feel some type of way about this, Bill Belichick has set a high standard uh, just based off winning with his six Super Bowls, so on and so forth. I feel as though that if he doesn't put together a solid season in the next two to three years, I wouldn't see them – I wouldn't be shocked if they found the way to get him out of the league, if they feel as though that his text message mishap also played a role in, you know, this becoming a bigger deal because that pretty much what sparked Flores was just like, okay, I'm doing a lawsuit. So they probably, you know, looking at Robert Kraft, like, you know, Jerry Jones looking at Robert Kraft, like, Hey, that's, that's your man. And then, you know, Robert Kraft already said like, oh, I didn't like spending all this money. He didn't want to let Tom Brady go, but he sided with him once. So it was just like, okay, well, we kind of have some stuff to pile on to get him out the league. And Belichick being, you know, replaced with the Patriots and not finding another job would be insane to me with his successes. And I would I would take it all the way back to the Brian Flores reason and not like, that should also be a subconscious proof to people just like this is how, I mean, this is how, you know, the owners play. I'll answer that. So that was a question got thrown around internally with us, but how it was told me, they're not really mad at necessarily Bill Belichick. Cause again, he's the head coach and the GM and GMs talk a lot to each other so that's kind of just normal talk I think the more 
damaging thing is for Brian Flores is that he kind of exposed Bill Belichick now. So he's yeah, he's he's done done. That's that's kind of what at least what we're hearing anyway. So yeah. And I, I think that the league is still going to be able to oh, I hate this, but they're gonna be able to back it up with like the recent hire with the Vikings general manager. I don't know how to pronounce his name pro- properly, but uh Adafo Yancey. Yep. They There's can say I'm got African American there, you know. Yeah. There's seven They're, black GMs. And Baltimore just hired uh, uh yeah. he's to run the, the Wizards. Yeah, he's a black black lawyer. They just hired him to be their president. There's there's I think that it's a tricky game. I would mm-hmm. say for the coaches and even in Kaepernick's situation, I, I feel like there needs to be some consultation before we before we shoot the bullet because once it's out, it's out. There needs to be consultation on how to properly strategize an attack. That's really what it is because they've built a fortress. It's an attack on this owner's shield, on the football, on the NFL shield. And if we continue to make the same, you know almost attempts and then mess up, make the same almost attempts and mess up. Those mistakes, they just keep, I guess, I don't know. It, it doesn't, if it adds up to nothing, it'll just be us crying with every single time. Instead, I think there needs to be a better, like, collective strategy to, you know, maybe maybe even with Flores's text and other things, we can piece that together. Flores, I'm sorry that you experienced that, but we need you to hold that we need more than just this, you know. I, I I'm curious if there was even that voice of reason, or if it was Flores talking with an attorney. He's like, "We can use this. Let's go." You know, I would hope though that next time, because there's going to be a next time, we have more sustainable evidence on our attack. Point point is valid because again, if he. And then even the lawsuit with how it's framed, because the big part of it is the racial discrimination part. Like if he would have said unfair practices, like in terms of hiring practices without the racial part, like probably had a better case. But when you put the racial part in there, like you, you need, again, you need that smoking gun. You need somebody on a recording saying something. You need an email. You need a paper trail. He just doesn't have that. He has hearsay. And again, I believe him because we all know that's kind of what it is. But again, in in the court, in an actual courtroom, it's like, well, yeah, what do you have? Well, man, if you look at the history, it's like, well, yeah, we understand that. But how's how did this happen to you? Like, did they call you the N-word? So, oh, we ain't hiring that N-word. Well, no. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Flores. Your 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 case is thrown out. Coach Pace, did you want to chime in? I'm gonna make my short and brief because everybody didn't really cover it. I'm gonna just say this: He's not beating 32 billionaires. Period. Nah. As much as we want it to happen, 
it's not gonna happen. And most of them are old, like in their sixties and seventies, white men that have like the plantation mentality. So like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like off or not. Cause even if he had like concrete evidence, um, I said this in another group chat. I was like, oh, Blunt Brian Flores did what? When it initially came out, I was like, oh, all they're going to do is pay him off and he's going to disappear like they did a cap. Like, this ain't nothing new. This is, there's not going to be any change. Unfortunately, that's just how, like, the NFL works. It's like, unless you got concrete evidence with a massive amount of support, and they got to be, like, Supreme Court-type support. Um, ain't nothing changing, man. I'm sorry. It's unfortunate how it is, but like, especially when it don't affect their bottom line, nothing's going to happen. It's a valiant effort. I applaud him. I'm glad he's doing it. Glad he's bringing attention to it. But it's chops, man. Ain't nothing happening. Yeah, we'll we'll see. That also depends if he accepts a settlement, though. Because, you know, that, that also plays a role. So it depends on how pissed off he is. Like, you know, some people will be like, you know, maybe Cap came with that crossroads and was just like, all right, well, they're not going to let me in the league. Uh, I can get this nice little settlement payout and maybe I could do more with this, with other things than, you know, continue to have this long fight. But, you know, some people was just going to be like, nah, we're going to, we're going to fight to the end. Of course, that doesn't mean he's going to win, but if he doesn't accept the settlement, the longer this goes on in the public eye, the more success he will have versus if he just accepts a settlement and disappears. Yeah, I don't have too much to, to add. This is, you know, they've been talking about it a lot this week and stuff like this has been on my mind. And I'm, as I heard all the information that's being released. All right, man, he's got to have something else like for this to be able to work. Because even in John Gruden's situation, race was brought up beforehand and nothing happened. Then the information of misogynistic, homophobic piled with the race only warranted them <laughs> to like... They didn't even fire him still. So he still gets his money. Even with all of that, that's that's just what happened with, with Gruden's situation. So I'm like, how can Brian really fight all these people with what he has? You know, when we've seen how stubborn the NFL could be in moving to disciplinary action of some of their power players, whether it be coaches or management. Uh, the the thing remains, I, I agree, it should have been, okay, I'm going to hold this text in my pocket. I'm going to keep this. I'm going to try to gather some other stuff. Let me talk to some people, see if we can get some, get a pile of information, whether, you know, is race, is is gender, is, is you know, homophobic stuff. And we, we can come in, we can attack by committee because we're fighting a committee. So we're going to need to attack by committee. That would have actually been the smarter play. And that Gruden situation set the blueprint for that. So if I were him, that's probably what I would have done. But to what you were saying that, yeah, he's he's mad because he just lost his job. 
and he didn't warrant losing his job and he had to put up because I, I believe the Steve, Steven Ross thing too. I believe that happened. Mm-hmm. I believe that happened wholeheartedly. The other thing that, and this happens a lot because sports is a microcosm of life, right? So if you think about it is sometimes what happens and I'm not saying yes or no to these other situations, but when we're talking about, you know, Giants, I mean, they they hire a coach every two years. They can't get it right, even if they really try. So, uh, and when you look at Elway, you're talking about people, you know, Elway in particular is a very likable person in the NFL. You know, Super Bowl winning quarterback, really has never had any dirt on him from what I can remember yeah, from his I playing days. And, uh, I don't think we, no player has ever came out, let that play with him that spoke badly about him. Yes. So now when you point the target at him and his folks and then they come up with a quick response, it was like, yo, no, this is why this is what happened. Yeah, we, we flew overnight because we were trying to accommodate the opening that you had in your schedule. This was the only time we could interview. So we had to interview someone else. Then we had to fly overnight. So if we were a little off, then that, that's why. Right. And that's very believable. And so I'm not saying that that is or is not what happened. Wasn't there. Don't know them. But sometimes I will say when we are continuously traumatized for one reason or another, and in this context, race, sometimes we we jump at the wrong things. We jump at, you know, because something really did happen. And then something else happens. And you're like, oh, yeah, you must be in on the two and you and you and you and you and you. And it's like, well, okay, maybe that first one was racist, but this these other ones were not. And when that <laughs> happens, now your credibility is shot at the first one that you pointed to, right? And I know that that's not, I know his feeling was authentic and saying like, man, this must be a really across the board type of thing. Cause he's looking at the landscape of the league. He's saying there are 32 teams here. We have one black man as a head coach and he's a head coach of an organization from the Rooney family that created the rule in the first place. Right. So there's no surprise there. And you look at the NBA, which I think has what 14 out of 30 yep. black head coaches. Mm-hmm. So he's seen his other leagues like, man, they found a way to do it. Why not the NFL? So I'm mad at each and every one of y'all who turned me down. As I, so I'll say this, we have to be a little bit smarter sometimes at how we go about things, right? You play your cards, but you have to play them with a strategy. And when our emotions get involved, sometimes the strategy goes to the wayside and we just wanna make someone pay for what they did to us. Not realizing everything that has to be put together in order to make that happen effectively. So that's all I have to say about Brian Floyd's not blaming him because that that's this happens every day in, in society in some way, shape, or form. It happens every day. But if we're talking about winning and, and change, then we have to be very strategic about that. Uh, secondly, all those businesses that put up Black Lives Matter, that put up those things that are also NFL sponsors, where are you at right now? 
because with cap, it was like people started to pull out their money. The NFL made a decision like, oh, okay, we got to nip this in the bud right now. Right. So some of those businesses that are sponsors for the NFL have also tried to promote, you know, black lives matter, black culture. We stand with black people. If you do, then you have the ability to hurt the owners. You are one of the few people that actually have an opportunity to hurt the owners. Because if you say, hey, listen, if y'all don't change your hiring practices and get some stuff, a concrete, a strategic plan and, and get some black and brown people in here. then we're going to take our money elsewhere. And they can afford to do that. But a lot of the responsibility has been put on the backs of black and brown people to sacrifice their livelihoods and their jobs in order to make this happen. And that's the only thing that Brian Flores is dependent on right now, which is why it's not working. When you got these companies that can afford to say, oh, we'll just, you know, take money out from you and put it over here in this company and we'll be fine. We'll live to see another day. That's who I want to step up in this situation because it should not be on the black, the backs of black and brown people, LGBTQ, whatever the, 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 the fight is at the time to have to make these moves because they have the most to lose out of this situation, the very most. And I am afraid that even though Brian Flores is still a candidate considered for two of the head coaching jobs, I'm looking like, I don't want Texas. Anyway, like, I don't, if you want a head coaching job, like if it were me and they gave me the Texans job, I'd be like, you know, I'm just happy to coach in the NFL. So, you know, me coming out here from Columbus, Ohio to coach, that's fine. But if you actually coach with a pedigree, that's not a job you want. That's not a job you want. And the Saints job is fishy because I'm kind of looking at them like, I mean, you still got Sean Payton on contract. So if, I, if I'm if i Brian Flores and I, and I, I do get the job and all of a sudden Sean Payton's like, all right, y'all, I'm ready to get back in the game. You know what I'm saying? Ready to suit it up again. Are they going to try to get rid of Brian, Brian Flores or demote him to a coordinator or something like that? There's no job security there. So his options, though he has options, the options aren't very strong mm. for him in the progression of his career. And so that's why I'm very fearful of that. But those are some of my thoughts about the situation from different angles. All right, Judge. And another thing to speak on how how crazy of a fight this is and how good the NFL and these owners are about covering this up amongst the whole Raiders ordeal, Brian Flores. It seemed like everybody forgot that the Washington commanders were under investigation, but nobody's talking about literally how y'all come out with a new name before y'all's investigation. Like any more details came out about that investigation. Like, I still don't know what the hell is going on over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. We haven't heard from that legal suit in a lo- very long time. Uh, very not, long the time. last thing was heard was the whole, was John Gruden. And then they just said, oh, well, emails were sent from an account from, an email account from Washington. Yeah. And that's yeah, it. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, but y'all found that for investigating them. Why? What's going on over there? Listen, man. As Coach Pace said, man, he, these these are some powerful dudes, man. Because even like Hugh Jackson, you know, talking about the Browns and you know Jimmy Haslam, 
Jimmy Haslam was federally indicted for fraud, and then they just dropped the charges. <laughs> like, that's who you're going up against, bro. Like, I, I'm going to need more than a text from Bill Belichick. I need, I need more than that because they, they, these are some powerful people, man. My, my man's beat the feds. My <laughs> man's beat the <laughs> feds. Bro. This is yeah. not a normal, like, none of that is normal. My man's none of that's normal. Beat the feds. And, <laughs> and then just what, what Coach JP3 saw on, on like, all the, the sponsors and, like, where are y'all at? Everybody just moves with the money because just like with the whole Kaepernick thing, nobody was standing up for him. And then guess what? Nike was like, oh, let's do a commercial for him. But what does that do when black people see a company support another black person that's standing up for a, a good cause? We go support them. Yep. And the ironic thing, Nike sponsors the NFL. Yep. All the NFL jerseys. <laughs> They got a stranglehold on everything. So now it's just like, all right, it, it's just Brian Flores, Hugh, and a Bill Belichick text. Yep. That's all that's all he has. And I and I think the premise of the lawsuit, I think he was hoping, like, hey guys, like I, I know y'all had some situations, like y'all want to help me out. There's like, hey, bro, like, you know, you a legend. I got, you know, I got these bills. I got, you know, I got kids. I, you know, I, yeah, yeah, man. We, we, we believe you, man. We feel you. We be praying for you, but, uh, yeah, we praying for you, but, uh, yeah. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta watch film for next season. It's, it's, it literally just reminds me like of any, I don't know if y'all have ever been like video gamers, like open world games. And then you're just like, you just venture off somewhere, but you don't really know the map, the map you're new to the game. And the next thing you know, you're like this level five warrior. And then you run into like this level 30 beast with, it, <laughs> you know, minions of level 15. And you're just like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. That's, <laughs> that's what Brian Flores is right now. So it's like. Bro, even. A great example is Tom Brady. What the hell? Because you talked about, you know, a lot of the different things that, you know, mm. controversies and whatnot. But, you know, the deflate game. And I think Bill Belichick threw him under the bus. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for he sure. He was, he was done with Brady a while ago. <laughs> yeah. But Brady fought. And he, he actually won around. And even with that, even Tom Brady was like, well, damn, I can't. I, I can't fight. I can't keep fighting. These dudes have billions of dollars. So like, man, I just got to take the suspension. Thank like, as much as I want to fight and try to clear my name, like, I can't because I just can't. I mean, that's Tom Brady, for goodness sake. So, yeah, they, they got it set up beautifully, man. They really do. It's a and very that's what I'm saying. Then they have a man, Roger Goodell, like, he gets all the blame and really doesn't have a lot of control. <laughs> Because on social media, if you look, oh yeah, a lot of the hate is toward Goodell. It's towards him because he's, yeah. he's the face. Yeah, like, bro, you don't understand how the structure. I don't understand works. how it works. Yeah, like I don't want to see people coming at him like that. Like he he's made some questionable decisions and yes. other things, yeah. but as far as this particular type of thing, there's not even if he tried a hundred percent, all of his 
you know, mind power and, and, and positional power, it still wouldn't amount to anything. He can. Unless the owners say, all right, well, I guess if you want to do it, you know, but that's not going to happen if their pockets aren't being affected by the situation at all. Nope. I mean, when it when it comes to the owners outside of Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft, because he wins, they're in the shadows. You don't see them unless they're, you know, make a heavy playoff run or they win a Super Bowl. So they're holding their trophy and then it's like, oh, there's the owner. Yep. Or if you're just What's a fan of that hurt? team, I know Jeffrey yeah. Lori because I'm an Eagles fan. Right. Yep. But if you ask me, like, hey, who's the owner of Jacksonville? I will have to look that up. Someone that's not making good decisions. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but like you could like you could name like a lot of random teams. I'm like, I, I will have to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of them prefer to be like off the grid. So to speak with that, I'm gonna stay out the news. You know, Jerry Jones is a is a, an exception because it's Jerry Jones and he's the star of the team. You know, uh, but you know, but the other ones was like, hey, listen, I'm gonna sit back. When when you hear my voice, it's in specific meetings. I'm communicating very intentionally with people. I don't have to face the media. Don't. I let everyone else do the talking for me. They know what to say and how to say it. And if they go off script, then we're going to talk about a punishment. But still, you won't be hearing from me unless I make myself available to do that. So it's all it's all strategy because a lot of times people think, oh, does it, you know, money doesn't equal morals. Like it doesn't. Like, and these people, not to say that, you know, I don't know everyone how everyone got to where they are as far as NFL ownership, but it's like you're talking about people that have made money a certain way so it's like if they're why would they change it if that blueprint is working for them it's not right? you got to make the blueprint not work for them in order for them to change their minds because the the game of changing hearts is a very long layered convoluted type of thing and like they, they, the way out, man. they ain't they ain't changing no hearts. These are some they're, old yeah, ones. they're not changing no hearts. Yeah, ain't no, ain't no hearts changing. So because of that, you gotta change how the money's get how the money's flowing or the laws that are regulating how things go. So they're gonna need a better case than this to do that. That I think we all agree on that. We wish you know Brian Flores and others the best, you know, try to try to fight fight this out and man i listen i hope i hope that you if you still want to coach in the nfl that you get another a, a a good shot a good job in the nfl and prove people wrong by winning uh but unfortunately what we've seen throughout history is that a lot of the, the people that take this leap that brave leap are not the people that reap the benefits of it um but maybe maybe it'll result in someone else having a better opportunity and that's that that would be a that would be a win for us in the future. So but ah to yeah, we'll see what's what's going on. Um but Brian Flores, very brave and and appreciate you and the community is supporting you. <laughs> you know, it may not look like it right now because people ain't putting their names on the documents, but uh, especially when you're looking at the court of public opinion, you got a lot of people on your side especially because all those, you know, the Washington commanders and John Gruen and all that stuff, people have been watching of what's going on. 
and know that there's some skeletons in the closet. Um, so this kind of stuff doesn't surprise. Not to switch gears too much, we want to talk about this another time. But we can talk about how trash that name is. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty. It, the historical I, I, accuracy. All the names that they was coming up with. Yeah, yeah. We can talk that on another show, but that I just me being local here, it, trash. Yeah, yeah. So it is. It, I expected better from that. I expected better. Uh, we're going to shift gears into a little bit of basketball here. The All-Star Reserves were announced. And so I'm going to read them off real quick. So, you know, we talked about in the Western Conference, hey, where are the Phoenix Suns? Where are the Suns representation at? Well, they were able to get Chris Paul and Devin Booker as a reserve. You got Luca, Donovan Mitchell, Draymond, who will not be playing, so there would be someone in his spot. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns and, and Rudy Gobert. Uh, so for the West and in the East, James Harden, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine, Fred Van Vliet making his first all-star appearance, uh, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, and Darius Garland, the hometown, hometown guy there, Darius Garland. Kay, we talked about it, Cavs, one of the best records in the East. They need to get somebody. It's in Cleveland. So happy for Darius Garland. Uh, but what are some of your reactions when it comes to the reserves? Were there any shockers? Anyone that you feel got snubbed? Thoughts? Andrew Wiggins was a wasted pick. <laughs> <laughs> the Suns yeah. should have had somebody in the top five. And now that I think about it, he shouldn't have made it at all. I feel like Jared Jackson Jr. or DeJounte Murray should have took that spot. Also, on the East, the Cavs still got robbed because if you look at the reserves – they're little. Jared <laughs> Allen should have been in there. This is why I believe Darius Garland should have been a starter instead of Trey Young, and Jared Allen should have been in there. If you're going to do this whole front court, back court for the starters, you might as well do the same thing because the, the fact that what the biggest person on the East is what? Chris Six, Middleton? Chris Middleton is the tallest, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That should have been Jared Allen. He's having a great season. Also, it's in Cleveland, and Cleveland is a winning team. So that's garbage. That's that's what I – I don't know how y'all pulled that off. No bigs? No legit bigs on the East? No. Oh, also, everybody know who my favorite player is. He was Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Butler. He missed way too many games to be a, a, an all-star. Mm. So I will pull Jimmy Butler off. You're right. Replace him with Jalen Brown. Mm. No, because they need a big put Jared Allen in there. But, yeah, like J- – Love Jimmy Butler to death, man, but he missed way too many games. He's been good when he's been in. It just hasn't been – like, if he was going to put a Heat player in there because they're doing good, I feel like Tyler Hero should have been the, the guy. He's been great all season. I'm just saying if you have put a Heat player in, because who else would you really miss a lot as well? And uh, Hero is – looked at as six man of the year. You could also look at him as most improved player. 
and he's been available and he's been good all season. If you want to put a guy, a, a guy from a, t- a winning team in the all-star, because if he wasn't in there, you have no Miami Heat players. But outside of that, I mean, not Jared Allen should have been in there. Jimmy Butler shouldn't, and Andrew Wiggins shouldn't be an all-star. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know if I'm just getting kind of tired of the NBA or what, but I just, I honestly just didn't, it didn't really care for me. I didn't really have strong emotions at all about the all-star selections. Um, the only one player that I thought should be an all-star is Lamelo Ball. So I just think he's a, I just think he's a baller, man. And he's a star, period. Um, but everybody else, I'm like, because it's just you know, everybody's injured, or you know, people want to play part time now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just like, this is I, I can't, yeah, it's, it's his nine to five. Stop that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, 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 you lost me, man. Y'all lost me. I just. I'm just at that point with the NBA right now. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, this, there's just a lot of nonsense. And I just can't – I can't even – I don't have enough emotion to even get mad about the selections anymore. So I'm just like, eh, I guess. Because you see, that's why a lot, of this, a lot of the people made it on there. Because, like, the standards have gotten so low. It's like, well, he, he comes and plays hard every day. But at the same time, when you have a lot of these stars, like, you know, skipping out on games and, you know, doing what they want to do and, you know, Ben Simmons out here pouting. I mean, that's who's left. (laughs) Those are the players that are left. So, you know, you have to have you have to fill up the roster some way, somehow. But that's that's like my honest, real reaction about the All-Star selection and the All-Star weekend. Like, that's. That's where I'm at. Again, like I said, Zion, I would love to see Zion in the All-Star game. I think he's an excited player, but he's too overweight. He can't play. So, you know, I would love to see him, John Morant, um, and um, Anthony Edwards. I would love to see three of them in a dunk contest. But we're not going to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish DeJounte Murray made it in the West. He's having he, a hell he's of a hooper. Season. Yeah, he can. He yeah. He's having he a hell of a season. What's well, hard to him is just the San Antonio's. Just their records just too low. But, but is there, and then they're just with with the fan vote being so op. Nobody really watches the Spurs. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's like even though that they now they're a young team. Like typically it's like a vet ran team, but they're a young team. But it's still you know Spurs play. Yeah. So, which place? What are you thinking? I mean, uh, I mean, kind of everybody said it. Dejounte uh, for Andrew Wiggins, and then um, I mean, I really don't care about the East because if everybody was actually playing, Ben Simmons behind would have been in the All Star game uh, as another. He would have been. I don't. You know what? We just put him in the game. He'd have just been in the game. I don't know where he would have played, but he would have played one through five somewhere. So it really don't matter. It had just been a guy. 
um, even better guy. And then I think LaMelo, just because of Showtime, like, bro, how is LaMelo not in the game? Don't know how that's not possible. Um, but I think Jalen Brown should be in there somehow, some way. Don't really care. Um, that's really it, man. Um, so my question that is Andrew, that Andrew Wiggins so, thing is separate with me, though. Yeah. Yeah. I know that people are still like, yeah, we still got questions about that. So my thing is, I don't, they haven't named a replacement from Draymond to my knowledge. So who, who gets Draymond's spot? Murray. Who gets it? Who do we think gets it? Who, who, who do you who think, do we should, think should get it? Who do you think you should get it? I think, I think Murray should get it, but I think Jackson Jr. will get it. Yeah. That, I echo Coach Mark. Would they – so has Anthony Edwards done enough to be an all-star reserve? <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be mad if you put him in there because, you know, he, I think he would get, make the game exciting. But Yeah, I, I just – Deserve is just a strong word. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like he's he's a, a border – he's, like, real borderline. Like, I wouldn't be mad if he get gets in, but I feel as though that it's more so of uh, his highlight ability – that makes him look more like an all-star. But, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a great player. But I just feel, though, that DeJounte Murray, he's the leader of his team. Jackson Jr., it's John Moran's team, but, like, he's a really strong anchor for that more so than what Ant is to Cat. Yeah, Jackson uh, won him the game the other night. Okay. So we shall see who is going to be named Draymond's replacement. Hopefully it's someone we said here, because I can't think of anyone else that would, you know, have the resume in the first half of the season to, to make, it. make the all-star team. Yeah. 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 He's a he reserve. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I pay too much. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, that's it for us. We had another packed show, a lot of co- lot to cover. And as these stories keep developing, of course, we're going to cover it right here on the Coach's Box. So on behalf of Coach Murph, Coach Natty T, Coach J, and Coach Pace, I'm your host, Coach JP3. Y'all have a blessed weekend. Stay blessed. Stay safe, y'all. Peace.